0: Don't you appreciate that? She did not care about those first service people, but she, she wants to look good for you guys. <laughs> Giving her a hard time. Let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. As we're continuing through this section of Ephesians, the whole section started with um, talking about submitting ourselves one to another, and it was... It's the idea of adjusting, making adjustments in your life so that you can get along with others and, and can function well, that we can function together as a body. And he, Paul talked a lot about marriage relationships and uh, husbands and wives, and he talked about children and parents. And now we've come to the section in Ephesians 6 that might be a little weird for us to deal with because he specifically addresses slaves and masters. Now, to our sensibilities, and certainly from the perspective that we know, we know what a what a horrible institution slavery is, that no one should ever be, you know, the slave of another. People shouldn't be treated like property. Um, it was the reality of their society in their days. It was their economy. And it was a lot like being an employer or an employee is today in a lot of ways. I don't want to belittle it in that way, but but I want to point out that Paul, though, you know, he could have very easily just said, you know, if you're a slave, that's horrible. If you're in a situation where you owe, you know, someone your work for the next 20 years, that's awful. You should feel sorry for yourself. But Paul isn't about here establishing some idealistic thing that's gonna make everyone just feel bummed about their situation. It wouldn't matter what Paul would say. People who are slaves were still gonna be slaves. You have to do what you have to do. And in, that, in their day, that was, for those people, their only opportunity for survival, basically. They could have, they could have run away, but there was a price to pay for that. But what I want to call our attention to is, because obviously we can just look at it and go, well, thank God we don't have slavery today, at least in our country. But how how different is a lot of the things that you do from that in some ways? And what I want you to think about for a moment is, what is it that you do because you have to do it? You know, the expression, you got to do what you got to do. Well, how much of your life is devoted to things that you're doing basically because you have to do them? Not that you couldn't quit doing them, but that if you quit doing them, it would have ramifications that wouldn't make it worthwhile. So obviously, if you have a job, that might be your situation. There are some people who are blessed that their job is something that they so love to do that they would do it even if they didn't need the job. And I you know I know for me, that's the case with me, certainly. And if you're blessed enough to have that kind of a job, that's great. But I'm sure some of you have jobs that basically you do it because that's what you need to do to provide for your family. That's what you need to do to put a roof over your head. So you've, you, in a sense, you have to do that. There are some of you who are moms who have little kids and you have to take care of your kids. Now, you wouldn't necessarily say it that way, but let's face it, a lot of times it feels that way. You don't decide every day. If you have little kids that you're taking care of, you don't just decide, well, I can do whatever I want today because those kids have a lot, of, lot to say about it and you have to take care of them. Some of you have dogs that have that kind of an effect on your life where, you, you know, well, the dogs don't like to be left alone or whatever. Um, if you're a student, you're in school And you're kind of there because you have to. Either you have to because you're still a minor and therefore education is compulsory, or you have to because it's what you have to do, the hoops you have to jump through, in order to ultimately get a decent job so that you can do something that you don't really want to do so that you can provide for yourself. (laughs) Some of you feel like your marriage is a have-to thing. You know, well, you know, I promised before God and it would be really expensive, to get a divorce, and I'd feel guilty, and, you know, some of you have family members or, or friends or others that it's just like, it's a burden, it's an obligation. Now, Paul's heart is to explain to people how the gospel sets us free. So how do you feel free in the middle of your have-tos? How do you feel free when you have things that you just need to do? You're just kind of stuck doing them. You're, in a sense, a slave to them. Well, let's take a look at it. Beginning with verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 6. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. That word for be obedient there. It's the same word that we talked about when we were talking about children obey your parents. It's a word that literally is the word for listen or akouo is the Greek word there. And then the prefix huper, which means underneath. And what it's referring to is really listen, really pay attention to. Now, obviously, in the case of a servant working for a master an an employee working for an employer or something like that, it, the implication is pay attention to what they're saying and there's an expectation that you would do what they expect you to do or things could get worse for you in the same way that for a child they need to really pay attention to their parents and the result of that is then to, to please their parents by doing what the parents are really asking them to do. It's more than just, on the surface, doing the bare minimum. But it's the idea of listening and hearing the heart and understanding exactly what it is they're looking for. Now, if you're a slave, you're a slave. If you escape, your life could be even worse. But the heart of Paul would be, hey, if you're in that situation, how do you make the best of it? And the first thing he says is really pay attention and listen. Now, we can see examples of of servants and slaves who did that in the Bible and how well it worked for them. Joseph was a slave, sold into slavery by his brothers because of jealousy, transferred ultimately to Egypt, ending up in in prison. And, And yet, rather than feel sorry for himself, he was always listening. He was always paying attention. He was, it was almost as if, as he was getting promoted. And even when there were setbacks, he understood what it was that, that the master needed and wanted, and he was right there for it. He was listening to God. He was hearing from God. They respected his wisdom. And he didn't just do what you have to do to stay alive. He did what you need to do in order to be promoted and to really thrive. Daniel did the same thing. Daniel was just a kid. He was taken off into into slavery, into Babylon. And yet, even from a young age, when they took him to school, they put out the order, hey, everybody's going to eat the king's junk food. And that's what they wanted. but, But Daniel listened beneath the surface and realized, what they really wanted was for everyone to be strong and healthy and effective, and they thought royal food, angel food cake, and that kind of stuff would do that for you. but he knew something more than they knew, and so he went to them with a with a suggestion hey let's let's just see if we can um me and my buddies will eat what our traditions say are good for you and Let everybody else eat what they want, and after a period of time, let's see who's healthier. See, they didn't really want him to eat the royal food. They really wanted him to be strong and effective. And and so ultimately, by hearing from God and being faithful to that, he was promoted because he was paying attention. All of the opportunities that he had, when he heard that the king had a dream that he couldn't interpret, he came forward and he said, "Hey, I hear there's a problem. Here the king can't interpret this dream." And before all of the all of the advisors to the king were killed, he stepped up and not only heard about the need, but he heard from God. And as a result, not only was were all of their lives saved, but he ended up being promoted to being a really important place in in the Babylonian empire and later Under the Medes and Persians as well, because he paid attention. And so, the first thing that we need to do is realize that in whatever situation that we are in, if you're at work, if you're at school, if you're feeling stuck at home, if you're whatever the situation is, don't just go through the motions, but pay attention. And as he says, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ, Listen to those who are in positions of authority over you as if you're listening to Christ, as if he is going to speak to you through them. If you're at home with your kids, listen to your kids as if God might be speaking to you through something that they would say. If you're at work and you don't like your boss, pay attention anyway. Listen anyway. Be a respectful employee. If you are in school and you don't like your teacher, you think your teachers you know, you have reasons to to look down on your teacher, yet put Jesus in that position because he may speak to you through those normal chains of authority, and that's kind of what he's saying. Look at the position that you're in. You might be there for a reason. And those people who are above you might be there for a reason. As we get in the next couple of weeks on Wednesday nights when we get into Romans 13, we'll see what Paul has to say about the government and authorities in the government. And he was living in a a really wicked time when it comes to government. Now you might go, oh yeah, you know, Paul can say submit, but that wasn't during Obamonomics. Well, no, it was under Neronomics, and Nero was burning Christians at the stake. And yet, you look at Paul's perspective on how he saw the government, and if you come on the next couple of Wednesday nights, whenever we get to it, um, you'll see he had this thing of not only how to make the best of it, but recognize and see God's hand in everything as it's set up. And so the first thing is, if you feel like you have to do something, Pay attention, listen, do what you need to do, but be noticing what it is that 's behind the scenes, even if you have a bad boss, and you know let 's face it, there are a lot of bad bosses. Um, there are things you can learn from a bad boss. There are things that you can notice that can end up serving you well if you're paying attention. don't just zone out and do the bare minimum, pay attention now. You might be saying, well, fortunately, I don't have to deal with this because I'm the boss. I'm self-employed. I'm, you know, other people work for me. Well, he's going to have something to say to you. But not only that, if you're self-employed, don't think you don't have a boss. The truth is, everyone is your boss. Every potential client, every potential customer, they're... They're all the people that you work for. If they don't deliver... Now, in a real strong economy, you can be arrogant and, and act like you don't even care what the customer needs because you're doing okay. But when things start to get tight, that's the time where, boy, if you have a business, you better learn to listen. You better learn to listen to the customers. You better learn to figure out what it is that they want. You better deliver on what it is that they want or they will make you unemployed. You could be sitting there with your stack of business cards feeling real good about being the boss, you know, as you file for bankruptcy. (laughs) But so he's saying, okay, first thing, when you're in a have to relationship, pay attention, listen, do what you need to do as if you're listening to Christ. Expect him to speak to you in those relationships, regardless of what they are. But now he goes on and says, not with eye service as men pleasers but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men first of all it's not i service it's not being a man pleaser now often when we find ourselves in these relationships it's easy for us to become people pleasers because we feel like, okay, I have to make this person happy if I am going to be successful. So I go, I have a a job, I have a boss, I better figure out how to make my boss happy. Now he said obey them, especially he said listen to them, but now he says, but don't be trying to please them. Don't make that what's important to you. Now, I don't know about you, but I've always had a a problem with being a people pleaser. I just don't like people to be bugged at me. I don't like people to be displeased with me. I, you know, I, I hate it when I find out somebody got mad at something that I said, and now they quit our church. And I feel so responsible for that. And you know, when I if I counsel somebody, sometimes I'll see they seem to really respond. Other people are just mad at me you know, when they leave, and I'm happy to see them leave, but not, not to see them <laughs> upset. You know, I, I want everyone to go away going, man, Dave, you're like the smartest person I've ever met. You had all this wisdom, and it's so good, but ultimately, even when people say that, they're only trying to please me. If they don't go do what I suggest that they're going to do, they really don't think my advice is all that great, and, and it's difficult, but he says, you're not pleasing people. That's not what you're to be about, even if you're a slave. And there are several reasons why it's important to be delivered from people-pleasing. I mean, first of all, why should you let a person determine what your value is? Why should you let other people define who you are? Oh, you may have a job, you may have things that you have to do, but that's not who you are. You're something more than that. Why should your sense of, of who you are be completely allowed to be defined by other people? But, but secondly, the truth is, people aren't going to be pleased with you. There are going to be times when when there's a conflict, when two different people want you to do two different things and you can't possibly do it all, and so already you're doomed to failure if Your success is being defined by whether or not people are pleased by you. People are really fickle. But also, people just don't notice. And sometimes, you may be doing the greatest work. You may be putting in all that extra effort and and just shining in what you do, and they don't notice. And the truth is, the person who's just spending all their time kissing up to the boss ends up getting much more attention than you do because you're actually out there working and doing the job. Certainly, if you're if your job is being a parent, don't expect to please your customers all the time. <laughs> it just won't happen. They just people take you for granted. And so, if you're if you're working a job or if you're in school to try to please a teacher if you're you know if you're a parent trying to raise your children if you're in other relationships that you feel obligated to if you're expecting to get satisfaction from people being pleased with what you do it's going to be a mixed bag yeah it feels great when they do appreciate you but just like the 10 lepers that jesus healed You know, nine of them just went away and never said thank you. One out of 10 came back and noticed enough to say, thanks for healing me of leprosy. So even if you're healing people of leprosy, nine out of 10 probably aren't going to notice sufficiently to make you feel like, boy, this is sure gratifying what I did. But he says, you're working for the Lord. You're serving God. And that changes everything because now it means what I do with my life, even in my have-tos, it is not about that person. It's not about that customer. It's not about that boss or that teacher or that child. It's about my Lord. It's about pleasing Him. And it's sad how many times we even get into a conflict, I do, between something that I know the Lord wants me to do and something that I know people want me to do. And, I, and God's like telling me that, that I need to do something and I'm worried about the ramifications of how people are going to handle it. Well, how's my wife going to... What's she going to think about this? Or, you know, what are people at the church going to think about? And it? And I know there are some things that God tells me to do they are going to be difficult. Now, if I got up here every Sunday and made my goal to make everyone here happy... Um, it would be, well, it'd be different sermons than I preach right now. That's for sure. Um, It's probably impossible. But here's the thing. The truth is, if I'm faithful to God, I'm going to get you mad at me sometimes. I'm going to say something that you don't like. And you can go on disagreeing with it. That's cool. The goal isn't for you to agree with me, but the goal is for you to think and for you to to look at God's word and to hear what I have to say, and then to go, okay, God, what are you saying to me? And sometimes that may make you uncomfortable. But God help us if, if I decide that what I want to do is to tickle your ears rather than to hear my father say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, it doesn't mean you don't care what other people think. That would be really arrogant to just go, I don't care what anybody thinks. But it's to say, ultimately, I have a boss, and I ultimately want to please him, and and he is pleased with me when I I obey him, and and I'm serving him. He's the one I work for. I don't work for anyone but him. And that turns around what I have to do, because now it's not I have to do it, I get to do it. This morning, when I was getting out of bed, um, you know, it's fairly early. Anne was still in bed. And she has almost this habit of, as I'm getting up on a Sunday morning, she goes, Do you want me to fix you some breakfast? But I see her there lying in bed, and she's so comfortable. And sometimes when I say, Yeah, that sounds great, then she's back to sleep anyway. <laughs> so, and, and I sincerely, nothing would make me happier than to know that she rested through first service. Preferably not while she's here. But, <laughs> you know, so I don't want her getting up out of bed and and going through, you know, fixing me some breakfast. But she was kind of insistent this morning. I have, I, and I said, after about three requests, I said, yeah, that'd be great. You know, I'd like something. And she goes, okay, what time do you want it? I told her. And so then I, I was doing, studying and finding I, some things I needed to find this morning. And, and then um, I went down and she had made me this great, sandwich with eggs on a on jalapeno bagel and even pulled out some of the bagel so it wouldn't have quite so many carbs. And, and it, was, it was a delicious sandwich. And, and I said, thanks so much. This is really special. This is really nice. She goes, well, I didn't do it for you. And I go, what do you mean? She said, you know, we were talking the other day how everything that we do, we do for the Lord, that he's in the middle of it. She said, I really did it for him. And I, I was happier about that than I would be if she did it for me because, because I know I don't have to pay her back. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but I love that heart because I don't, you know, doing something for people sometimes, it's a grind. It's, oh, okay, I have to do it. But it's amazingly freeing when we find out that what we're doing is serving God and that he's the only one that needs to be pleased ultimately. Now, a funny thing happens, when you please God, a lot of people will be pleased too. What you do will bless other people, but that's not why you're doing it. Because sometimes they won't, sometimes they'll complain, or they don't notice you, or they take you for granted, but God never does. He sees everything that you do. He sees the effort that you put into that. And when you care about pleasing him and you do it with that kind of an attitude, he is pleased and he is blessed. And ultimately, that's what matters. And and the key to being able to live your life in a way of freedom, despite the fact that there's a bunch of stuff that you have to do, is to take those have-tos Use them as opportunities to hear from God first, but realize this isn't about people. This is about him, and I want to please him, and I get to do it for him. Jesus said, you know, when he, in, the, in the thing where he talked about the judgment of the sheep and goats and kind of the final analysis in the last days, he said, you know, there are people on my right hand who are blessed because when I was hungry, they fed me. When I was naked, they clothed me. When I was in prison, they visited me. There are people who are over on my left side who I'm not pleased with them. And and they're going into judgment because when I was hungry, they, they wouldn't feed me. When I was naked, they didn't clothe me. When I was in prison, they didn't visit me. And both sides said, what? When did we ever see you? Hungry? Or, I mean, you could five loaves two fishes feed 5000 people we I, I didn't think you needed anything and he said well to the extent that you did it to the least of these you did it to me now you know we we start collecting cans to give to homeless people you might have an attitude toward homeless people like you know they're homeless because they want to they're homeless because they're lazy they're homeless because they make more money mooching on the street corner than they would if they actually did a job and it's tax-free and i you know maybe that's your attitude um and you know that's god will have to deal with you on that but what if we said um jesus needs a can of food (laughs) could you give him one you do it because he says you do it to the least you're doing it to me if we you know you might you know be inconvenienced if somebody needs someone to watch their kids for a few minutes but what if it was jesus who said hey can you keep an eye on my kids for a few minutes mind if you know there's some other things i need to be doing so could you help with vbs for me do it for me and what would be your attitude? Oh, boy, I guess nobody else is going to do it. I, no, of course not. You'd, you'd rush to do anything for him that you could possibly do. When, when Jesus sat down in the upper room with his disciples and he began to wash their feet, they go, no. Peter began to protest vehemently, saying, you're not going to wash my feet. And he goes, I'm giving you an example that this is something that you should do for others. I you know, the you're to be servants, you're to deal with people this way. This is what I'm teaching you. And so whatever it is that's going on in your life that you have to do, you have the opportunity to do it for him, with him, to him, and and he'll be pleased by it. You do the service as to the Lord and not to men. This is hard because I know you're serving men and I know sometimes they can be obnoxious. I know maybe your boss is a jerk or maybe your customers are rude or whatever, but maybe your teacher is is, you know, doesn't know their stuff. Teachers don't know their stuff. That's why the answers are in the back of the book. But God is your teacher. What if you believe that God is sovereign and where you are is exactly where he has placed you? What if as a student, you believe that God gave you each of those teachers that you got? What if as a worker, when you get the only job that you can find, and it feels like a miserable job, and God goes, no, that's exactly the job i had for you there are things i'm going to do in your life because you have that boss because you have that job that are going to be positively treasured to you will you do it for me how different our attitude would be we get to work for him you know so often we sometimes think that it's all about the kind of boss that we would have and some people just think man if i could work for that person that would be so great Working for no person is great when you take God out of the equation. I know people you who know, say that, man, I always thought the greatest thing in the world would be working for you. I'm like, yeah, you say that till you work for me. I'm not that great of a boss. I, you know, I disconnect myself. I, I don't give you enough feedback. I don't, you, know, it's, you feel like you have to read my mind. You're always going to think that I'm, my head is off somewhere else because it is. And I am not, I'm not the model boss but you know what? It wouldn't matter if I'd tried my hardest to be the best boss I could be, and I, and I really do, I try. But the truth is, there isn't any person in this world that's worth working for, except Jesus Christ. And you should never work for anyone but Him. Well, I don't care who it is that's giving you the orders, listen to Him, and God will speak to you through them. And you're, you have plenty that you can learn But he is looking at you and seeing how you will serve those people that are are there. How are you going to serve your customers? How are you going to serve those who are above you in your company? How are you going to serve your teacher as a student? Teacher gives an assignment. Read these chapters and write up a summary. What do you do? Just the bare minimum? You know, the amount that you need to do in order to get by? Well, what if Jesus said, I, I want you to read these chapters and I want you to write up a summary. And you believed, I mean, Jesus has never asked you to do anything before and he wants you to do that. It must be important. How much different would you approach that task if you really felt that he is the one who is calling you to do it? Well, when we understand that God is working in our lives, when we understand that He places us where He wants us to be, you, you aren't always going to be where you are right now. God leads us on to different places and different experiences. But understand this, if the Bible is true, then you are right where He wants you to be today. Today. Now, maybe tomorrow you're supposed to make a move. That's fine. But today he has you there for a reason. Pay attention, watch, listen, figure out what it is that God's doing. Now, maybe you're unemployed right now and you're feeling like this is just wrong. And yeah, it is in a way because God wants everyone to work. No one will ever be happy not working. You think that not working would be great. But talk to people after they retire and find out how great it is. It really isn't. They start looking for stuff to do. Now, they want to do something different than they were doing before, but they need to be involved. They need to be active. We're we're designed that way. But, see, God says, I put you where you are. You get to be there. And I'm watching, and if you serve me and try to please me, Not only will other people be blessed as well, but you will know that you're doing what you're supposed to do. So what do you have to do in your life? God is saying, do it for me. Do it as my servant. Do it like you're doing it for me. Quit complaining about it. Quit trying to find ways around it. Quit trying to cut corners to do it in a crummy way. Whatever it is that you have to do, do it like he was your boss. If you're selling a product, sell that product as if God is wanting you to get that message across to people. If you are performing services for people, do it as if he's your every customer. Value that connection with him. Put him in the place of whoever is making you do what you have to do. And you'll find that even in the middle of your have-tos, you're set free. You don't feel that drudgery anymore because unlike when you're trying to please people, when you're only trying to please God, you have a great boss. You have a boss who died for you before it even started. And, and he says, let me be your boss. Work for me. Be amazing how you treat people differently when you understand that you're working for him now he adds to it in verse 8 by saying knowing that whatever good anyone does he will receive the same that is good from the lord whether he is a slave or free this is all about pay you know you probably never get paid totally what you're worth at least if you're working the way God wants you to work, you're doing extra, then you're probably going to be underpaid, undercompensated. There's a whole lot that you do that no one will pay you for. There's, they just don't see it. They aren't going to appreciate it. It's even done in secret. They have no idea and no way to compensate you. But if you're the kind of worker who does everything like Jesus is your boss... You're going to be underpaid, but that's a good thing, a really good thing, because Paul says he's going to pay you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to pick up the tab. He is going to make it worth your while to be that way. Now, it may be that doing business the way God calls you to do business will never allow you to have just unbelievable success, It might, but it might not. It may be that if you cut corners and cheated a little bit, changed margins and underpaid your employees, maybe you could make more money. But the goal isn't just to make money, is it? And the truth is, whatever money you don't make because you were doing it as unto the Lord, then God's going to pay you. Oh, you know, you may have a situation where there's a customer that comes into your business and the truth is they would really be better off at another business because the product that somebody else sells is really more what they are looking for than the product that you're you're selling. So Jesus is your boss, what do you do? You give up the sell in order to see that a customer gets what they really want and what they really need. If you do... Then God writes it down, and he goes, I'll pay you for that. I'm going to take care of you. I am going to compensate you in some other way. And I believe he does that here on the earth, and I know that he does it in heaven. Everything that you do that goes unappreciated, uncompensated for, it was just extra. And, and before, when you do something like that, you felt like, I'm such a sucker for doing this. Everyone tells me I work too much. I work too hard. I ought to just do what you need to do. Just log the basic hours that are required. Why do I keep going the extra mile? Well, if Jesus is your boss, that's why. And he will be a debtor to no man or woman. And he will make it worth your while, he promises. I like the idea of being in a situation where he is going to have to pay me back. It's tax free. It is. It's when you will allow yourself to suffer loss in order to please God, he'll pay you back and he'll do it in ways that you could never predict or even expect. But he'll always take care of people who work for him. Who's your boss? Who is it that you're really trying to please? Now, finally, in verse 9, he says, and you masters, you bosses, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there's no partiality with him. He says, if you're a person who's in a position where you have other people looking to you as a boss, remember that you have a boss. Remember, you answer to your boss in heaven. You answer to your heavenly father. Don't treat people as if you're looking down on them. Treat If there's someone who who works in the flesh, who works for you, make sure that you treat them the same way that you would want to treat the Lord and the same way that you would want to be treated. Don't just treat them like, well, I'll just do whatever I need to do to get them to show up to work and their heart really isn't in it anyway. And no, he goes, God doesn't show partiality. You may think you're a big man or a big woman, but God doesn't think so. He sees us all as being alike. Now, some of you are saying, well, don't worry, I'm not a boss. I don't have anybody working under me, so I don't have to worry about this. Yeah, you do. All kinds of people work for you. Every time you go in a restaurant and a waitress comes and takes your order, or a busboy comes and takes your plates away, that person is working for you. Every time you come to a counter and there's a business person who's dealing with your complaint or every time you go buy groceries and there's someone who's checking out your groceries for you, that's someone who works for you. How do you treat them? Do you notice them? Do you listen to them? Do you appreciate them? Do you do you treat them the way God treats you? Or do you just think of them as nameless, faceless people who are doing what you need done, and you pay for it to get done so you don't really care about them at all. You don't care what kind of a day they've had, but boy, if they don't do exactly what you want them to do, boom, I'm making threats, I'm going to take my business elsewhere, I'm going to complete, what's your manager's name, what's your name, what's your, really, is that the kind of boss you are? Because he says, you work for Jesus, and so does everyone else. Don't be the kind of boss that throws your weight around, that insists on, you know, because I'm the boss, that's why. No, remember, even as you, that little waitress that's waiting on you, God is watching how you'll treat her. He's watching how much you'll tip her, by the way. And he'll either be pleased or he'll go, 10%. 10%. Is that the way I treat you? Is that the way you want to be treated, really? Appreciated only that much? Yelled at because things aren't quite right? Want me to yell at you every time you don't get it perfect? How do you want to be treated? And treat other people that way. People who work for you, people who wait on you out there in the business world, go the extra mile, show some appreciation. And God looks down on that and He goes, I love that. I love it. If you tipped a little too much, he'll pay you back. He wants that generosity to flow. He wants love to be communicated in whatever way we possibly can, and, and God's pleased when, when that happens. So in your life, what do you have to do? Think about your week coming up. What do you have to do? Take a look at what Paul says in Maybe you can turn it around into what do you get to do? What privilege do you have? In what ways can you represent Jesus Christ in the working world, at home, at school, in a business? In what way do you have the opportunity to please him and to have him say, I'll take care of you for that. I appreciate it. You represented me well. Let's pray. Lord, you're the only one in this world who deserves to be called boss. Really. None of us deserve to order people around. But some of us you've placed in positions where we have those supervisory responsibilities. I pray that you'll help us to do it in a way that pleases you. Many of us are in situations where there are things we have to do and they're really unpleasant. We would have never chose them. Help us to understand that you chose them for us because you know what's best for us. If we're unemployed right now, it's because you thought we needed a break or because you were about to open a door to a much better job and it's not open yet, so we have to wait to see it happen. Others of us have settled for careers or jobs. Maybe some of the women who would much rather be at home just feel like they had to go back to work. Um, Lord, help them to feel like they didn't have to, that they get to, that you've given them the privilege of being out, working for you, representing you, and pleasing you, sometimes in almost impossible situations. Help us to understand what it means to do everything as unto you. Free us from our people pleasing. Help us to please you instead. God, I know there are people in this room who don't even know what it feels like for you to be pleased with them. Because people have harped on them so much, thrown guilt at them, condemnation. People have been so displeased with them that they don't even understand that they have a God who, who's just passionately in love with them, who, who is pleased, and you are, and, and I thank you. Help us to feel your pleasure as we go about doing the things that we used to think we have to do, but now we realize we get to do. Lead and guide us, speak to us. Help us to hear your voice wherever it comes in and to be faithful to the calling that you have for us right now. And We thank you and and we praise you for all you've done for us. Thanks, boss. In Jesus' name, amen.